He scores! Gilmore scores! The Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by all Aguila. Three bounds, another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg. All right, we are back. The All-Star break is over and Flames Talk is back with you on this Monday, February 5th. It's Steinberg along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. So here's the deal. We've got ourselves a, a good hour ahead a special way to kick things off after All-Star, and with all that happened over All-Star, including a blockbuster trade, a waiver claim, a couple of recalls that have some uh, raised some eyebrows, and innuendo of more to come, seems like a pretty perfect day to uh, say hello to uh, not one, but both of our regular co-hosts in studio. Aaron Vickers is supposed to be our co-host for the week. Hi, Vix. Hey, buddy. How's it going? And so here's the deal. Wilsey is in transit from Mexico. He got held up uh, with an emergency on his flight on Sunday. Had to stay over. And so he's not going to be able to do the roundtable on this Monday. So I texted Wes Gilbert. I'm like, hey, you want to do a roundtable? And Wes was like, well, why don't I come in for the full hour? I said, why not? So Wes Gilbertson is here as well. Hello, Wes. This is a true emergency call-up. Yeah. Straight back to the minors when Wilsey's healthy. Yeah, and I don't think this and is going to affect. And he's healthy. Don't get us wrong. And the, the me- medical emergency on his flight is also good. So uh, he just had to stay over in Houston. Uh, so he's uh, going to be back in time for the Flames and Bruins. But we don't have Derek Wills for the Daily Flames Roundtable. So here we go. We're going to do the Daily Flames Roundtable the whole hour. Steinberg, Vickers, Gilbertson. Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. A famous quote from Norman Vincent Peel, all successful people have a goal. No one can get anywhere unless they know where they want to go and what they want to do. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills ca so gents the uh last time we all talked and the last time we saw the calgary flames was a game on january 27th a one nothing win over chicago to wrap up a six game homestand that was pretty disastrous and a six game homestand that guys i think kind of plotted a course for what they were going to do for the all-star break because this team looks a whole lot different as they practice monday morning in boston and will play the bruins to kick off a four-game road trip on tuesday Let's let's start with uh, the one thing that, you know, we talked about it on some emergency podcasts during the All-Star break, but the three of us have not had an opportunity to kick around the Elias Lindholm trade, gents. Vix, you start. Um, we've got a little time for sober second thought. We've had four or five days to reflect on the package the Flames got from the Vancouver Canucks. How do we think Craig Conroy and the Flames did on the Elias Lindholm trade now that we're a few days removed from it and now that we're back after the All-Star break? Well, he certainly got what he was looking for because I don't think you necessarily pulled the trigger at that point with you're looking a month away from the trade deadline. So when he had set a price and internally went, if a team can match the price that I'm looking for, I am going to absolutely make this deal. And, And to be quite honest, looking at it, he clearly met his price, and I think maybe even then a little bit more. And Craig Conroy talked a little bit about, okay, things got serious with the Vancouver Canucks. 
He circled back to a couple other teams that he had conversations with before settling on the Canucks offer. So clearly there was something concrete that he wanted to see, what he could get, went to other teams. Vancouver basically said, well, no, we're going to close this out right now. They worked out the uh, the final pick, if you will, of that trade. And to be perfectly honest, looking at getting a guy that last season, and this season it hasn't gone well for Kuzmenko at all, and a change of scenery was clearly needed because he wasn't a fit in Rick Tockett's scheme for the Vancouver Canucks. But you're getting a guy that scored 30-plus last season, a bit of a, I don't want to say reclamation project, but get him in a new environment and see if he can be productive once again. You got your first round pick. You got another pick in the fourth round, which is conditional, as you mentioned in your conversation with Conroy, Pat. Uh, conditional on the Vancouver Canucks making it to the West Final. Yeah, Western Conference Final. And then you picked up a couple of prospects as well, one of which who is trending from a third round pick six months ago into if you were to redraft the 23 class, you're probably looking at a late first rounder as well. Bonus prospect on top of that that may or may not be a long shot, but hey, take the shot, take the dart, dartboard. I can't think of this as not being, not to reflect too quickly on it, but just the pieces that are involved from a future standpoint and from a, can you get Kuzmenko right standpoint? It's a, it's a win for Craig Conroy, just as I think it is for the Vancouver Canucks getting the most coveted forward on the trade market. Pat, I'm, I'm the call up here. Let's hear what you think. I, uh, I I thought, you know, I I thought this was going to be the Bo Horvat return. I thought, I thought they were going to get a pick. I think they were going to get a prospect, and they were going to get a roster player. And a pick, I think they were going to get a first-round pick. So I think a first-rounder, a prospect, decent prospect, and then then the roster player is what I think the Flames had as their target, and they got that. They got it in Brestavich. I believe it's Brestavich is how we're saying it. Um, so they, they got Brestavich. We were all saying Brustowitz when it first happened, but um, a- after the initial butchering of a name, the, uh, the the minute they're acquired, then we have our sober second thought on how really to Did you notice it. how yeah. I didn't say his name just to make you be the first <laughs> yeah. guy to massacre it? I've Bruce. been going with Hunter B. Yeah, Hunter B or Hunt <laughs> yeah. Briz. You can go Briz. That works. Uh, yeah, so they, they, they got the prospect in Brustavich. They got the first round pick, and they got the roster player in Kuzmenko. And so to add the conditional pick and to add the other prospect, and even though the the second D prospect in in Yermo doesn't maybe project as high end as Brustavich does, it, it it's still extra pieces. So and and it didn't. I know there were a lot of people online that were talking about, wow, the Flames went for quantity over quality, and I I don't buy that because they got the quality in their quantity and then just added a couple of other wild cards where at that point I don't think quantity matters um, and and I think that it just gives you a couple other potential shots which is never a bad thing but they got the high-end prospect they got the first round pick and they they got the roster player which they were going to need to make the money work on the Canucks side anyway so I think they did better than I thought I, I can tell you that the Flames um went over their internal projections and exceeded their internal projections with with this deal. And I I, I think Craig Conroy made a hell of a trade. I really do. I, I think that, that we'll see how it all plays out, how the prospect plays out, who they pick at, at that first rounder and how it plays out, what the hell Kuzmenko looks like as a member of the Flames. But just from a, a sheer acquisition standpoint, and what I thought they were going to get, Wes, I, I I thought he nailed it. I really did. Yeah, I'd I'd have a really <clears throat> excuse me. I'd have a really hard time quibbling with Craig Conroy's work on on this deal. I I don't want to totally repeat you guys. So 
um, just kind of bullet points. You mentioned the the first round pick. That was a must. In yeah, non negotiable almost. It had yes. to be right. So so that's a must. The fact that you have a conditional pick thrown in there, I think that's a bonus. Hunter Brustevich is a guy that I'm really fascinated by. Currently leads the Ontario Hockey League by a country mile with 61 assists. The next highest guy has 47 assists this season. So that's the type of potential playmaker you're getting on the blue line. He was a guy I think that Vancouver was willing to part with just because of the fact that Quinn Hughes has sort of power play specialist locked down in that market for the next 15 years. Yeah. Decade and, and change. And then you always knew that an Elias Lindholm deal was going to involve one of two things. And that was either salary retention by the flames or a cap dump on the other side. And the fact that your salary dump that you're taking on is a guy who scored 39 goals last season in the NHL makes him such a, a fascinating addition for me. Like this, this is a, a throw in who had the like one less goal than Matthew Kachuk and Austin Matthews and William Nylander last year. There was thrown in the deal to make the salary work. You didn't use a retention spot. Is Andre Kuzmenko going to be a home run in Calgary? I don't know. We we know that there are certainly some deficiencies in his defensive game. Yeah. As Rick Tockett told reporters in Vancouver last month, I'm not trying to make him a Selkie Trophy winner, but there's some things we need him to participate in. And so... You know, th- this is certainly not a perfect player, but if the salary dump is a guy with that sort of offensive yeah. upside, with that potential to impact your power play, I-, I just really like this deal all around for the Flames. And if I can add one thing, yep. I love it for the Canucks too. Elias Lindholm makes a really good team even better. They didn't take a, a guy out of their top nine forwards. They didn't take a guy off their blue line. I really like the deal for both sides. Just to go back to Kuzmenko a little bit, he had 39 last season. He did shoot 27.3%, so maybe put a little asterisk there just because oh, for sure, for that sure. is not sustainable by any stretch of the imagination, but he's sitting at 12.7, and his shots per game is down significantly. And as you mentioned, he wasn't ever going to see eye-to-eye with Tockett. He was never going to fit into Tockett's system. So if you could get him back to somewhere in the middle, to where I don't think he's going to be a 39-goal scorer again, but there's no disputing that he's got 30-goal potential. And if you're the Calgary Flames, and whether this is a short-term a- asset that you're looking to flip again at some point to increase your return on Lindholm, or if he's going to be a fixture on your team for the remainder of this season, the balance of next, and you see what happens from there, you have the potential to expand this deal in terms of, okay, they got the first, they got the prospect, they got a conditional pick, they got a bonus prospect. And then regardless of what you do with Kuzmenko, he either fits your system and suddenly you got a top six forward as well, or you get into a situation where maybe this is an asset you can help build up the value before trading again. And then the Lindholm return just grows even further. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I do think the flames are, are very much intrigued by the idea of, of flipping Kuzmenko. If, if that happens all of a sudden Kuzmenko and Huberto look really good, then you've got a really interesting dis- decision to make because he's starting on a line with Kuz- uh, Kuzmenko, starting on a line with Huberdo, with Sharon Govich in the middle. All of a sudden, if if they come out flying in the first four or five games and Huberdo's setting these guys up, and you're like, well, finally, like th- this is the Huberdo that a lot of people were talking about when they acquired him. Well, then you've got you've got a really interesting 
decision to make if Kuzmenko looks like a different player and the struggles that he was dealing with in Vancouver seem like maybe that's behind him. And now you've got teams knocking on your door saying, hey, what about a second round pick for Kuzmenko? Or, you know, maybe we'll a second round pick and another pick or something like that. Can you flip him for something else? Or if he's working with Huberdo, you kind of think to yourself, we've been looking for a guy to, to work with Huberdo. Now we've got him. And that's going to be a really interesting thing too. But I, I, I fully believe the Flames, and, and, and from what I understand, the Flames are absolutely open to, to flipping Kuzmenko between now and the deadline or between now and next season if, if they get an offer that, that makes a lot of sense for them. And in that case, the fact that you still have all three of your retention spots becomes really important again. Because if a team wants Kuzmenko and is willing to sweeten the pot, you know, the Flames are not the only team with a rotten power play. So if one of those teams sees Kuzmenko go off, whether it's for the next five weeks or, or for the remainder of the season, and, and you can potentially use that retention spot there, it just gives you a ton of options, right? And when you think salary dump, you think like a big, slow fourth liner who's making too much on a contract he signed yeah. several years ago. That's not the case here. Yeah. And I think that's what turns this deal from, yeah, pretty good to, you know, a potential, quite frankly, home run for the Calgary Flames. Well, and the Calgary Flames with Kuzmenko have a lot of runway here. You mentioned there's five weeks-ish. There's 13 games between today and the deadline. If he's not able to find his game to a point where teams come knocking at your door with a good offer, the glory here is that you've got a whole second year on this contract still at a number that's 5.5. Like it's not great, but it's not paralyzing by any stretch of the imagination. So you, if you can't get him jump started in the span of five weeks, you have five months from the start of next season to get him to a spot mm-hmm. where he's either a fit on your roster or again, you get more assets for him at the deadline next year as a pending unrestricted free agent as well. So if he can come into next season, not again, not shoot 27% because that's not realistic. But if you can get him in the neighborhood of a 25, 30 goal pace again, suddenly a lot of teams are going to be looking for that scoring punch then as well. But ideally, if he can get it going here and, and make Craig Conroy have some tough thoughts, some tough decisions to make if yeah. the team comes knocking, it's again, it's just win-win. And, and I think the most important part is because of the first round pick, and because of Hunter Brustavich, a guy who a lot of scouts think is going to slide into a middle sort of pairing yeah. future in the NHL, if Andre Kuzmenko stinks for the Flames, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. That, that's that, not, he's not the main He's piece. not no. the focal point in this, pit, in this deal. He was the salary to accommodate not retaining on Lindholm. Yep. So he, if he does anything, found money for me. Yep. The uh, Daily Flames Roundtable is taking up the full hour on this hour of Flames Talk. Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, Aaron Vickers, NHL.com, Pat Steinberg along with you. Flames Talk back after the All-Star break as Calgary is on the road for four straight. They look a whole lot different than they did their last time they played. Um, and, and the whole idea of Kuzmenko joining the group and immediately putting him with Huberdo. Here's a guy that, as, as Wes mentioned, 39 goals. He was almost a 40-goal scorer as a first-time NHLer. He comes in and replaces Elias Lindholm. And, and, and Wes, I'm, I'm completely with you when you say that, hey, the Canucks are getting 
a, a really good player out of this too. And and I think Lindholm and Elias Pettersson as a duo together. Just to interject, how much of a nightmare is that going to be for broadcasters? Elias and Elias. I know. Continue, sorry. Just continue. Might just have to use fl- their last Might names. have to flip a coin there and decide on one pronunciation. Yeah, it's a good point. Or just never use their first names. They have to worry about it. Um, and they're out, they're playing on the same line with Mikheyev in practice, um, and and they're keeping Pedersen and Miller apart. Like that top six in Vancouver looks scary, and and I do think from an overall standpoint, Lindholm's an upgrade on Kuzmenko for them. But here in Calgary, it's essentially a swap. Kuzmenko comes right onto that line, and they shift Sharon Govich to the middle. They put Kuzmenko on the right, and Huberto stays on the left. So I, I'm just really curious as to how this all shakes out and can Kuzmenko like what, what is our confidence level that Kuzmenko can be better than he was in Vancouver? Cause he was playing power play minutes. He was playing with really talented players with the Canucks, but the head coach who stresses a strong all round defensively responsible game didn't love that part of it. Didn't love the compete level sometimes. Now he comes to Calgary. I'm telling you, Ryan Huska stresses a lot of the same yeah. things that Rick Tockett does. So what's our confidence level that the player that is most affecting right now can come in and be better in Calgary than he was in Vancouver? Well, for me, it hinges on Andre Kuzmenko, who turned 28 yesterday, understanding what could slip away from him if he doesn't commit a little bit more to a less one-dimensional game. You know, I chatted with Trent Cull, who I believe you boys are going to have on in the next hour. And so Trent, as everyone in Calgary knows, is head coach of the Wranglers, but he was on Bruce Boudreaux's staff in Vancouver last year and was an important guy in terms of the scouting reports on Kuzmenko. And, you know, a comment that Trent made that really stuck out to me is, he said, you could tell this guy loved being in the NHL. You could tell it meant a ton to him to be living that dream out. And as I think more about that, I I hope that Andre Kuzmenko realizes now as he makes the move to Calgary that if he thinks he's going to maybe coast his way and be an all-offense guy here, that there might not be that many stops after that. Like, you hope that this is a wake-up call for a guy who has the offensive gifts to be a a major difference maker for a team that Ryan Husk is not going to be any easier to please than Rick talking. You know, we've watched Jonathan Huberto and, and Andrew Mangiapane be benched this season because the coach didn't like the details in their game. And so Andre Kuzmenko is certainly not untouchable in that conversation, but I think a big part of him finding his groove again in Calgary being able to build that confidence is going to have to do with two things, establishing some chemistry with his new line mates and Huberto and Sharon Govich, both talented guys, but also sort of showing that there's more buy-in there than Rick Tockett thought there was. I think you make a good point about the living the NHL lifestyle and so on and so forth. So I wonder if there's a little bit of desperation in Kuzmenko to, right. to leave a good impression. More urgency. More urgency. But also the other side of that is it's just amazing what a change of scenery can do. And this isn't exclusive to hockey. This this is a life thing where, okay, maybe you're in a rut. Maybe you're down at work a little bit and you, you know, you, you're not liking your new boss who came in who's changing this, this, and this. And suddenly you get into a bit of a rut. So I wonder if the change of scenery alone, different voice behind the bench is something that can jumpstart Kuzmenko. And let's keep in mind that this is a player that waived his no-trade clause to come to Calgary. So he was obviously 
told and instructed and pitched, come to Calgary. We'll give you some ice time. Maybe a little bit of those shackles come off. Maybe a little bit of a longer leash because this is a situation where the Calgary Flames want him to succeed. A lot of that is just vibes. A lot of that is coming in. Fresh start, again, changes scenery, new boss, new jersey color, so on and so forth. I wonder if just by sheer not being in that Vancouver Canucks locker room is something that can jumpstart him a bit. Let me just jump in yeah. here really quick, and you can find this on the, the post-media sites because I wrote about Kuzmenko today, and, and part of that was a conversation I had with Ryan Husko over the weekend, and I said, okay, you connect with Kuzmenko, so Craig Conroy and, and Ryan Huska jump on a call with Kuzmenko, who wants to ask some questions before making a decision on on waiving his no-trade clause, and I asked Ryan, well, what what's the message? And there were three things that he highlighted to me. He said... One, we wanted him to know there's opportunity here for him. Two, we wanted him to know that we know the type of player he is and we believe that he can be that type of player here in Calgary. And three, we wanted to tell him all the things that Trent Cull told us. And that's a big part of why we wanted him here. And my understanding is at the end of that call, Andre Kuzmenko said, I'm in. And I think because I, I know Andre Kuzmenko adored Vancouver as a city. He was beloved by fans in, in that market. Like he was an absolute yep. fan favorite. I, I think to leave a top contender and go to a team that is out of the playoff picture, at least presently in Calgary, a lot of this was about individual opportunity for Andre Kuzmenko. Yep. I, I, that's the sense I get. I, I don't know, Pat, how you read the situation, but that's certainly the sense I get is that he covets the opportunity that awaits here in Calgary. Yeah, and and I think that that's what excites the Flames about it too is that they at least in, you know, their their talks with him and now having him uh, at practice and having him be around the team there's a feel that yeah, you know what, he's he's excited for a new opportunity. It obviously I think it was it was Elliot Friedman when he joined us on our on our little bonus emergency podcast on Wednesday. It was Elliot Friedman who joined us and said he got into a rut and couldn't get out of it. And and that's pretty much what has happened with Kuzmenko's season. And so, in a lot of ways, a change of scenery and a new opportunity, that might be the slump buster that you need. That that might be the thing that that gets you back closer to the dynamic player that you were. And I, and I, I want to stress that, you know, do the Flames have a player like Elias Pettersson on this roster? Probably not. Do they have a guy? Well, definitely not. Do they have a guy like Quinn Hughes on this roster? Definitely not. Do even even the way the level JT Miller is playing at, or what we're seeing from Brock Besser and and how he's firing it right now. Flames don't have that right now. So so he's not going to be playing with the same maybe level of players, especially with how Huberdo has gone since since being acquired. But you hope that maybe it can be offset with Vic's what you said higher desperation level, higher urgency level, and maybe that brings out what everybody is hoping can be brought out from them. You're going to lead me to another point because, yeah, there's no Hughes, there's no Pedersen, there's no Lindholm here. But now he's also being elevated up the depth chart to a spot where, okay, you're the top line right wing now. But also the Calgary Flames have been searching for a game breaker all season. They haven't had one. Maybe that's a role he's going to relish. Maybe that that's the opportunity you know, now all of a sudden he's not in and out of the lineup. He's not his last five games in Vancouver, 11 minutes, 13 minutes, 12 minutes, 10 minutes. Well, now he's coming into a situation where, hey, we know you score goals. We have issues doing that consistently, and we don't have one guy to turn to when we need one. So I don't know if that was part of the pitch, 
but this is a role all of a sudden. You're not playing behind a whole bunch of guys. You're elevated up the depth chart. You're going to be a guy that, oh, we're down one. When you look down the bench and you see a guy that scored 39 last year, that's the type of situations he's going to be put in, and that's the type of situations I'm going to guess that he relishes being in and wasn't a part of in Vancouver. There's not a guy on that bench that scored over 30 last year. Yeah. Right? I I just want to share a story that I thought of when you were talking about Elliot's comment that he got in a rut. I remember a few years ago covering a game in Columbus that the Flames won 9-6. I'm I'm sure you guys remember this. And Austin Zarnick scored either the 8th or ninth goal in that game. And I remember Austin Zarnick was a healthy scratch for the next game. And and he was really perturbed about how could they take me out of the lineup? I, I scored last game. And I just thought of that as you made that point, Pat, because I think Andre Kuzmenko might have reached a point that it didn't matter what he did. Yeah. He wasn't going to get his opportunity with that current coach. And I, it just popped into my mind. It was never going to work with Austin Zarnick and Bill Peters. I, I mean, both of them were dug in. It just wasn't going to happen between those two guys. And I just thought of that. That was a guy who was in a rut who felt like no matter what he did, like, hey, they asked me to score. I just went and scored a goal last night. He felt like no matter what he did, it wasn't going to work with that coach. I wonder if Andre Kuzmenko in Vancouver was in that same spot. Could see it. And it can be tough to get out of a doghouse. It can be tough to change. Uh, it can be tough to change a coach's opinion. Like yeah. I think, I think of like Kevin Rooney and d- different players, but like Kevin Rooney was never winning Daryl Sutter over last season. No. And, and maybe this year he could have, if Daryl's here, but that, that like Daryl Sutter was out. And when you got a coach that's out, it's tough. So Rick Tockett was out on Kuzmenko. And remember Tockett came in late last year and wasn't the full year coach. And so, you know, this is the first full year with Tockett as the guy. And if that if you if your coach is out, like you usually gotta wait till the next training camp to try to win that coach back. Well, and it's not as though the Vancouver Canucks are on the playoff bubble or out of the playoffs. This is a coach that has steered that team to number one in the NHL. So he's probably gonna lean on the things that he's done For to sure. get them there. So to to dig yourself out of that and become a regular with that coach who's already bumped you down the depth chart or sometimes out of the lineup altogether and they're getting the rewards, chances are there's not going to be too much of a change of strategy coming through the Vancouver Canucks organization yeah. since they've already sort of hit that peak. I, I'm sure it was also mentioned to Andre Kuzmenko that when his team ultimately did land that right shot forward from Calgary, he was going to find himself even further down that yeah. depth chart. Like that power play time that he still had, see ya. And I can tell you this much. There was zero chance the Flames were taking back Nikita Zadorov <laughs> in the trade. I can, I can tell Although, you that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know there was a lot of talk about would he be the guy that's coming back. It wasn't happening. They were not bringing Zadorov back. But they are getting a Dan Milstein client they are getting in Dan. return. So They already had are. one, though, because uh, Sharon Govich is a Milstein oh, guy. See, is I was it, not aware of that. Dan Vladar a and so is Vladar. Guy? Yeah. There we yeah. go. So now up to three Milstein guys. I think Solovyov, too, is on that. He is. Yeah, so. I think there's one other Milstein one off the top of my head now. I can't remember. It's just a good reminder that you're going to have your squabbles with the yeah. agents, and that can't spoil the... Yep. That can't spoil the relationship. Um, we'll get to the text line in just a second. But what do we think of Sharon Govich down the middle? So that is, that's the look they're going with right out of the gate. I, I 
believe like this is what they have had targeted for quite some time. They've known it was it was in Wes's story when he spoke to Conroy that you know, they've known for a number of months that this wasn't happening. Like Lindholm was out the door and and that's been the way this is going for quite some time. And I I believe that Sharon Govich down the middle has been something that Craig Conroy, Ryan Huska has been talking about and thinking about for quite some time when the opening presents itself. Well, now the opening's presented itself. Lindholm's been dealt. They don't get a center iceman back. They're not ready to go Zary down the middle yet, and nor should they be. I think that's a smart call. So they go Sharon Govich with Huberdeau on the left, Kuzmenko on the right, which really doesn't mess up the other two top nine lines. I, I'm really interested in a VIX. I, I think Sharon Govich has got the IQ to be a, a good center iceman. I know the Flames are like, you've got to work on your face-offs. I think he's 35% in the face-off dot when he played center on the fourth line earlier this year. Like the face-offs, they have got to find a way to get him even above 40% here. Uh, but I, I think there's some I think there's some potential there with Sharon Govich down the middle. But I am fascinated as to how it doesn't or does throw things off with that line because Sharon Govich was going. And he was one of the guys that we were talking about on a nightly basis. He's still on that line, but he moves from the right side to the middle. I think it's the logical step, and you highlighted it. It doesn't affect the Kadri line at all. It doesn't break up Mangiapane, Backlund, Coleman. And you're right. We saw this coming. There was a reason he was centering the fourth line a couple months ago. Things weren't necessarily going his way, and there was a, a, you know, a period of adaptation that he needed. But for me, that fourth line was most dangerous this season when Sharon Govich was the center. And again, to go back, you're not messing with Zary. I don't think Zary's ready to, to be a center just yet. And why would you sort of mess with that trajectory that he's on? And so you're right in the sense that, okay, all you're doing with that top line is swapping out Lindholm for Kuzmenko and then shuffling Sharon Govich to the middle. But everything we heard, Pat, when that deal was made uh, on the draft floor with Elliot Friedman tapping his phone saying, look yeah. at this, look at this, is that Sharon Govich could play all three forward positions. He could play left, he could play right, he can play center. Well, he's going to have some added responsibility now because when you're a fourth-line center versus a top-line center, a little bit different scenario. And I'm interested, like you are, to see how he responds to the challenge because this is going to be a new challenge for him. And once he found his groove with the Calgary Flames and started scoring, started scoring, started scoring, it was like, oh, yeah, now we're starting to see exactly what the Calgary Flames were getting. Now he's got to do it down the middle, and it's a lot tougher to do it with the 200-foot responsibility that you have with a guy in Jonathan Huberto who's very offensive. Kuzmenko's clearly offensive, so there's going to be a lot more defensive responsibility put on Sharon Govich, and it'll be the focal point of the next few games to see how he responds to that as, assignment. As, as Vix is saying that, Wes, I, I go back to a conversation that you and I had month, month and a half ago. You had talked to Ryan Huska about Elias Lindholm's year and kind of the heavy lifting and, and the defensive responsibility he takes. And, you know, with the three centers they had, Lindholm, Backlund, and Kadri, while Backlund's line took the heaviest defensive responsibility, started the fewest shifts in the offensive zone, but it wasn't that much different than Lindholm. Like, both Lindholm and Backlund were hammered with defensive starts and that allowed the cadre line to get a ton of offensive high ground. Are you as comfortable doing that now with Kuzmenko replacing Lindholm? That's like the, the defensive shift on that line you don't have a heavy lifter and that's not a knock on Sharon Govich, but to all of a sudden expect a guy who's played like eight games of center over the last number of years 
to have the same type of responsibility put on him that Lindholm did, all of a sudden, this moves to the backland line is going to be hammered with tough matchups. And and maybe the cadre line has got to start taking on some more difficult matchups because I don't know how comfortable you are with this new look Sharon Govich centered line in that type of role. Yeah, and you're going to ask, you know, as you continue to, and I know we'll talk about this soon, as you continue to mold what your fourth line looks like now with Jacob Pelche and Kevin Rooney in that mix, you're going to ask those guys to do a lot of defensive heavy lifting because, boys, you're right to take Yegor Sharangovich, a guy who's played sparingly as a center at the NHL level and put him between Huberdo and Kuzmenko, two guys who skew offensive, and that's putting it politely. Like, this this is a huge ask, but I'll tell you what I like about seeing today when we saw the lines from Boston that it was Sharangovich. What I like most is who it wasn't. I don't think Connor Zary, 39 games into his NHL career, yeah having experienced his most success as a pro after being moved from center to the wing, I don't think it is putting him in a position to succeed to ask him right away to play center. Do you want to experiment with it for a few games down the stretch? Sure, you might want to, not just yet. Especially if you're out of it. I don't think 33 games into Martin Pospisil's career, while they do see a potential center there, it doesn't make any sense either. And so... I'm sorry, Yegor, but this is a little bit of, of a grenade in terms of what it's going to mean for your defensive responsibilities. You're the guy who has to be put in that spot first because you don't want to expose those two kids to what could, quite frankly, be a, a little bit of a confidence crusher as rookies. I just think looking through the lineup and how the lines are orchestrated, it's like there's no other person that I would be like, oh, why didn't they think of this or why aren't they experimenting with that? Sharon Govich is the obvious one on Monday, February 5th. Ask me again on Monday, February 12th. I'm not sure the answers are the same. Yeah. But to start, to me, that's the most logical landing spot for Sharon Govich in the lineup and where Kuzmanko is going to fit. Uh, let's hit the text line at 960-960. Uh, this from Mick. I don't see Sharon Govich as a center. Zeri's a natural center and is ready for the third-line center spot. I love Kuzmenko. He's my favorite Russian. Love his skill. Love his attitude. Uh, this reads, this, uh, this from Dylan. This proper asset management thing is a strange, wonderful feeling. What a trade. If Craig gets value anywhere close to this out of Hannafin, I'd be insanely happy. What impressed me most is how Conroy managed to please Murray with a possible stay competitive piece and also please team retool rebuild or tank with a borderline blue chipper first rounder and another long shot filled the cupboards hope y'all had a good vacation that comes from dylan uh anybody want to jump in by the way on any of these just raise raise your hand if you do just on the zary's a natural center perhaps he's played it at the pro level he played it in junior but as it stands right now and to the point he's Zero NHL zero games. NHL games. So to say that Sharon, he's more of a natural center at the NHL level than Sharon Govich, I don't think is necessarily fair. And again, to your point, like over the last year and a half as a winger, Connor Zary has really hit his stride to a point where I don't think any of us were expecting him to have the success that he's had at the NHL level. You don't disrupt that this season. You let him get comfortable. You let him find out day in, day out over the course of eight months what it takes to be in the NHL and to rise when the level rises and, and up your game as you get deeper and deeper in the season. You've found a comfortable spot for him. To me, now isn't the time to disrupt it. All I'll add to that, buddy, is why 
Connor Zary was moved to the wing with the Calgary Wranglers in the first place. And that's that they didn't think his pace was necessarily at the spot it needed to be to be an NHL center. They figured yeah. with his pace, and we all know it's not his strongest suit. But it has grown it quite has. a bit since his draft day. But, Sorry, go on. but they didn't believe that he could attack offensively the way he wants to. They couldn't. They didn't see the same confidence with the puck when he was at center, which is why he moved to the wing, which is why, quite frankly, he's in the NHL right now. Yep. And so to, I guess if you start scooting back on that, boys, aren't you just looking for a winger who can drive offense the way Connor Zary has? I mean, yeah, try it at center eventually. But right now, you've got a good thing going on the wing. You've got good chemistry with Nazem Kadri. You've, you've got something that could work for years to come. And I just don't want to spoil it by putting them back at center between two guys who aren't going to be Selkie candidates anytime soon and having them go dash two or dash four a couple times and, and take a step back that way. A few more texts. Uh, this says Connie killed it. If they got a case of beer more than they got for Johnny, it would have been a win. Uh, this says, I think it was smart to get a roster player with a high ceiling rather than a pluggy plugger or journeyman to maybe fill a bottom six role for a season or two. And finally, uh, this says the trade has to be looked at as a massive win compared to the return they got when Gaudreau left. It's a big time win. Now, if none of these pieces end up factoring into the future, then that would be a failure of the organization for not drafting and developing properly, which shouldn't reflect on the trade itself. I mean, that's really well put. Oh, and then Wedley says, hopefully Hunter Brustevich is better than Hunter Smith. Uh, that's also fair. From your Probably not as well. good at growing a beard, though. I will give him that. At the age of like 14, yeah. that thing was full. <laughs> uh, I got a text from Tim. I'll read uh, a little bit later on this hour that I think is really important when it comes to this trade. It's a, a full hour Daily Flames roundtable with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com, Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, Pat Steinberg along with you. Flames talk back after the All-Star break and the iconic Coors Light chill train is heading to Las Vegas for the big game and it just made a stop in Calgary, leaving behind a trail of epic prizes on February 6th and 7th. From 8 a.m. till 7 p.m., look for its frozen tracks at Stephen Avenue's Walk for a chance to win instant prizes that deliver big game day chill or the ultimate grand prize, a trip to next year's big game event. No purchase necessary. Must be 21 plus for the grand prize. Full contest details at CoorsLight.ca slash the chill train. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Full hour roundtable with uh, Wes Gilbertson, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg. We're back after the All-Star break on Flames Talk. Flames aren't done making moves. I think we all know that. We'll get to that in a second. I did want to read this text from Tim at 960-960. He says, there was a rumor going around that Hunter Bristavich wasn't going to sign with Vancouver you happen to know if that rumor is true and if the Flames have talked to him yet and have any idea if he's going to pull an Adam Fox or not? That comes from Tim, obviously referring to Adam Fox not signing with the team and eventually getting traded. So here's a few things. From what I understand, it was trending towards Brustavich and the Canucks not agreeing on something. I think when you take, as Wes said earlier, when you take a look at Quinn Hughes as the guy and, and running the power play and spending you know, a good 90 seconds to two minutes on the power play sometimes. It, it kind of didn't profile as that 
going down the road for Bristavich. And not to say there wouldn't have been opportunity with Vancouver, but maybe not opportunity that hits his skill set. So, yeah, that was that, that is kind of my understanding that it was moving in the direction that him signing with the Canucks wasn't going to happen. I, I, um, I can also tell you that the, the Flames are very confident he is going to sign. So the way it works is he can't sign until March 1st, just the way the CBA is written. March 1 is the earliest that he can officially sign. But yeah, my understanding is they've, they've spoken. Uh, they're quite confident that they're, they're going to get something done. And probably as early as early March, we, we do see something. So that is one of the next steps here in this trade is that uh, I, I do think uh, there's a really, really good chance that Bristavich, um and the Flames agree to a contract. So hopefully, Tim, and I know there's been a lot of people who have asked that question. Hopefully, Tim, that, that gives you a little insight that you know all things are trending towards him signing with the Flames and that not being an issue. In fact, I don't think they would have made the acquisition if they hadn't uh, done their due diligence there. So that's that's what I can add. We're uh, efforting to uh, bring him on the program at some point this week. But Wes, you've already spoken to uh, Hunter since the trade. Yeah, and, and let me just clarify one thing that I think is important because everyone mentions Adam Fox. With a player in the Canadian Hockey League, if you don't sign with the team that drafted you, you actually go back into, into the, the draft. draft. Yep. And so we're not talking about an Adam Fox New York Rangers or bust scenario. You don't have that sway, I suppose, as a CHL player. And I'll tell you, hey, maybe the wool was pulled over my eyes, but when I talked to Hunter Brustevich the day after the trade, all I heard was a guy who was beyond excited to be traded to the Calgary Flames, loved what he'd heard from the staff. As it turns out, his billet family in Kitchener, they have a son who is, I believe, either attending school or working in Calgary. And so he was talking after the trade went down with his billet parents who rave about the city of Calgary and he said you know everyone I asked what what's the city like what are the fans like all I heard was top-notch things like this this was a young man as I was hearing through the other end of the phone I almost had to turn my phone down he was so excited I felt like he was yelling at me this this was a young man who did not cross me as no chance in you know where I'm going to Calgary this is a young man who if there's a contract announcement on March 1st that he's signed an entry-level deal with the Flames, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. And just to go back to the return on the trade, Brustavich was drafted 75th overall. He was a third-round pick. We at FC Hockey had him ranked at number 51. I would wager if you went and redid the 2023 draft today, He's going within the top 32. And if that's a bit of a stretch, top 40 for sure, because all he's done since is expand on the repertoire of weapons that he has. And Calgary is a great, you mentioned the eagerness. You look at Vancouver. Yeah, you're not supplanting Quinn Hughes. I don't care who you are. That's your captain over there. That's the guy that's got the track record, so on and so forth. But we've talked about, and we mentioned the Calgary Flames power play as it stands today is not quite elite in the NHL. And one of the things I think we can all agree that they're missing is a true power play quarterback. And that's what Brustavich trends to be. The defensive stuff will be worked on, but his ability to navigate the top of the offensive zone, whether it's five on five or power play, is among the best in terms of prospects from the 2023 class. It's his calling card, his ability to move east-west, his edge work, things of that sort, his vision. His north-south skating could use another gear, but his ability to move east-west 
is truly the best in the Ontario Hockey League. And among prospect pools, unless you were a top five or a top 10 pick, yeah. you don't have the skills that he has in pure terms of being able to work the top of the zone in the offensive zone. I, w- I was just going to ask you about his skating because, yeah. th- and that's a great scouting report because it's the first question that always comes up, but it it is, I'm sure Flames fans are going to be, I don't know if relieved is the right way to put it, but if you're a sort of offensive minded guy, if you're, if you're defending with your stick and your brain more than with your body, you need to be a good skater. And everything I've heard about Hunter Brustevich is that he can do that part of it. And and the um, important to note that, as Wes said, uh, he was in the U.S. National Development Team program prior to joining the Kitchener Wranglers last year. Kitchener Wranglers. Rangers. Yeah. Kitchener Rangers. I'm about to get he's to He's getting Wranglers. a little more Calgarian already. Yeah, he's, <laughs> uh, he's, uh, they're the Wranglers now uh, before he joined the Kitchener Rangers. Um, but because he was drafted as a CHL product, he was drafted out of the OHL. So there is a, a two-year window for you to sign until you re-enter the draft. So the Flames have until June 2025 to if that happens. So there's still plenty of time here. And I, I really don't think there's any, in fact, I'm, I'm quite confident there's there's no need to worry because Flames are, are feeling really good and, and believe this is going to happen. It just can't happen until March 1st at the earliest. Nothing about 61 assists so far in the OHL tells me that this is a guy who's going to need to go back for another major oh, junior no. season. And so that leaves him one choice. If you want to be a pro hockey player now, you're signing with the yep. Calgary Flames, and I think we all you don't expect get to him to go do that. be an unrestricted free agent. You got to go back back in the, in draft. the draft. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Matt and Cochran asks uh, if he signs on March first, could uh, he help reinforce the Wranglers? The answer to that question is yes, just not right away. It have to be after the OHL season comes to an end. The uh, agreement is, which they may be at at some point in the future revising, but as of right now, you can't be. A CHL player under the age of 20 or not in your 20-year-old season and play in the American League while the CHL season is on or your CHL your season, season is on. Yeah. yeah, so once, whenever Kitchener's season comes to an end, then he would be eligible to sign an ATO and go play with the Wranglers, which I would imagine is is very much what's going to happen on the Brustavich front. Um, Not a ton of time, guys, but we, we're not like on a hard time limit, so we can we can go over if we need to. What comes next now? Elias Lindholm is out the door, and they got a huge return for him. It's now the Chris Tanev watch, right? Is that is that what we're on now, Vix? Is it looking to see when we get news, when we get word that Chris Tanev is the... Because it sounded like he was pretty close to being a Vancouver Canuck last week. I, I, I think that there were some pretty intense conversations over the weekend. Um, and I, I think this is kind of now entered the new pocket that we're watching is when is Chris Tanev going to be dealt? That That's the next big question for me. If you were to ask me to put some money on which is the next Calgary Flame to be traded, that's where the smart money is, but I'm not sleeping on Noah Hannafin either, and now my impression is that a deci- I shouldn't say a move on Hannafin, but a decision, decision. on are you going to be a flame long-term or is this something we need to explore in terms of the trade market? I don't think Hannafin's too far behind on that front, but yeah, if you're asking me who's the next player to be traded, 
Chris Tanev is obviously going to be the popular choice one. Just again, he's a pending unrestricted free agent, as is Noah Hannafin. But there seems to be a line out the door for teams at least inquiring about the asking price on Chris Tanev just because what he can do to a defense and stabilizing the warrior that he is. We we know Vancouver clearly is interested because it was Dollywall and Drager who were, yeah, this like mm-hmm. maybe Tanev's even involved in the Lindholm trade. Right. Um, so we know Vancouver's interested. We know Toronto has had a ton of interest. I think New Jersey's a team to watch when it comes for Chris that comes to Chris Tanev and, and a team that I wouldn't be surprised shows a ton of interest here. So there's just three destinations right there. And I would imagine there's four, five, six, seven other teams that have their eye on number eight. Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing that I'll share is when I chatted with Craig Conroy shortly after the Lindholm deal, one of the questions that I asked him is, hey, you know, five plus weeks from deadline day, why why do this trade now? And one of the things he said is what we talked about in the first segment in terms of sort of hit all that all the points on our asking price. Like we, we thought this deal checked the boxes that we were looking to check, but he also said it, it takes the risk of injury out. We have 13 games. He told me before the trade deadline, and there is always a risk of, of injury. And so if Craig Conroy is thinking that when it comes to Elias Lindholm, you know, that's on his mind when it comes to Chris Tanev simply because of the fearless style Chris Tanev plays because of some of the history he has with injuries. Like this is a guy that, while I've been on this program many times saying I'd be willing to risk it and wait a little longer to sort of sweeten the pot. I understand why Craig Conroy has that on his mind. And I think quite frankly, with the Lindholm deal and then the Sean Monaghan trade to Winnipeg, the fun and games has started a little bit and boys, I don't say this based on having some insider knowledge, but I'll just share my hunch. I'm not sure we see Chris Tanev back in Calgary after this road trip. I'm, I'm actually wondering like, is there a, is there a night where we get a tweet that says Chris Tanev is not playing for precautionary reasons, Vix that, that wouldn't surprise me at all on this four-game road trip. I feel like we're kind of in that pocket now where that could be closing in on imminent. Well, the Calgary Flames are now carrying eight defensemen on this road trip as well, which I don't know if that's a tell or not. They obviously went to the waiver wire to pick up another defender who kind of skews a little bit in the mold of Chris Tanev by being defensively responsible and physical and whatnot. And to your point, yeah, there is not a puck that Chris Tanev is not willing to throw himself in front of. So if you can maybe get him to the new location sooner rather than later to block pucks for them. But to me, there's a, the list should be about 18 to 20 teams long on Chris Tanev because there isn't a competitive team in the league that can't use a guy like him, whether it's in your second pair or third pair, depending on the depth that you already have in the organization. And then you can even toss in the, the, the link to the Ottawa Senators as well. To me, the list should be out the door. The line should be out the door, pardon me, on teams looking to add Chris Tanev especially especially if you consider yourself a contender because of just the stuff that he brings. And he's kind of a rare breed nowadays, to be perfectly honest. Like, he can move the puck, don't get me wrong, but he's very much a defensive defenseman who can just completely shut down and isolate the opposition with some of the things he's able to do. And then you just happen to throw on top of it the fact that he'll jump face first in front of a puck. I I don't know, Pat, what your info is on this, but the one thing that, I, I've sort of gleaned is I don't think just for those wondering, 
I don't think the claim on Braden Pahal yesterday off waivers was necessarily a hint that uh, Tanev or Hannafin trade is going to get done right away. Like I know the sort of immediate reaction on social Ooh, media right is, shot, oh, yeah. right shot. Okay, well, we know what this means. I, I think this was a player that the Calgary Flames pro scouting staff has liked for quite a while that they saw available on waivers and thought, yeah, we we could make a move on that guy. We certainly are still looking to upgrade our third pairing. It'll be a bonus if suddenly their defensive depth is further tested that they now have another body on the blue line. My first thought was, oh, that's a replay. And then I was like, well, hold on a second. Like, gear it down just a little bit. And I, this is a team that is now lacking organizational right shots, especially of that kind of development level age range, like NHL ready. We know that Tanev, Anderson, Uyghur all have right shots, but they lost De Simone on waivers, and that was kind of their right shot guy. Kuznetsov's a left shot. Solovyov's a left shot. That doesn't sound like Pesic is is quite ready for NHL time with his time in the Wranglers. So and they're kind of lacking that organizational right team that is now lacking organizational right shots, especially of that kind of development level age range, like NHL ready. We know that Tanev, Anderson, Uyghur all have right shots, but they lost De Simone on waivers, and that was kind of their right shot guy. Kuznetsov's a left shot. Solovyov's a left shot. That doesn't sound like Pesic is is quite ready for NHL time with his time in the Wranglers. So and they're kind of lacking that organizational right shot. I think it... I think it tells you a ton that they claimed him. He's right on a pairing with Oliver Shillington. Uh, Craig Conroy in the release talked about how he's going to help their penalty kill. Like they, they, they didn't bring him in just to, just for the sake of it. They, I think this falls into what Conroy and the Flames are are and have been doing for a while: getting younger on the fly, putting those young players into situations where they can play right away. And, and can get NHL time. And I think Pahal, much like Zeri, much like Sharon Govich, all different ways, even A.J. Greer, um, I, I think it all plays into them getting younger on the fly, uh, but not always taking away from the NHL roster. You know, even take a look at the Lindholm trade. They brought in futures. They brought in a guy that can help make up for the offset that you're getting with Lindholm leaving. So I, I think that's more, I think that the Pahal claim was more about getting younger on the fly and less about replacing Chris Tanev in the lineup. Well, I don't think it's about uh, just having an extra warm body floating around that happens to shoot right in case you make a move. Like, as you mentioned, he's going directly into the lineup and he's certainly a player that the Calgary Flames have had on their radar for quite some time. I believe it was Ryan Pike that mentioned that he was a part of development camp after going undrafted five years ago or so. So Pike, he's been Piker on the radar. Would, Piker would know, not, not know, Piker would remember who He'd was remember at, every, at right, development camp in 2018, shit. right? I'm guessing that took zero research and it was just, oh yeah, yeah by the way, good on, on the him. Fly. That's why we love him. But having another right shot that skews into the age range that you're trying to sort of rebuild the team around getting younger certainly doesn't hurt. And the fact that there are eight defensemen around doesn't make it an issue if a team should meet your asking price on Tanev, that you have to hesitate for any reason whatsoever. Let me share a cute story on Braden Bahal really quick. I know, I know we're running out of time, but or out of time. I chatted with him yesterday. Time's and a flat circle. We're, we're having a quick chat after he gets claimed on waivers. And, and as we kind of go through the questions, I, I, you know, typically 
a kid who grows up in Saskatchewan and, and he's from Estevan originally might be choosing between the Flames and Oilers. And so I, I said, hey, I know you're kind of free agents as fans in, in Saskatchewan. Who'd you, cheer, who'd you cheer for as a kid? And there's this sort of awkward pause. And finally he says, well, this is the part where I should probably say the Flames just to get on the good side of the fans. But actually, my grandpa, my dad, and my uncle are diehard Bruins fans. And I would probably be disowned if I wasn't a, a Bruins fan as a kid. And and as it turns out, he's never played them in his NHL career. So the fact that oh, he's going to make his oh. Flames debut tomorrow in Boston, I think, is pretty darn cool. I was going to say, he's from Estevan. The junior team is the Bruins True. in Estevan. So I just thought that that might have been the natural fit, too, since the locals yeah. also sport the Bruins jerseys. Easy so. to get the jerseys. Game worn. Ah, that was fun. Uh, I enjoyed that. That was great, boys. Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Aaron Vickers is on Twitter at AA Vickers. That'll wrap us up this hour. Thanks to Cam and Azam, our producers. And that'll wrap us up a full hour's worth of our Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. A famous quote from Norman Vincent Peale. All successful people have a goal. No one can get anywhere unless they know where they want to go and what they want to do. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills.ca.